You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. You're welcome to church this morning. We're talking about compelling motivations for obedience. Thank you, Father, for your word, which is spirit and is life. I declare, Lord, that your word, your word will bring light. The Bible says the entrance of your word brings light and it gives understanding to the simple. Let there be light. Let there be understanding. In Jesus' name. Amen. Fantastic. I am excited about what God is, has activated in your life. Just by those declarations. Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Let's read from verse 1. Give me back the NLT. This paraphrase is interesting. You know, for some people who are not used to reading the Bible much, it helps them. Every phone that rings goes into the offering. <laughs> All right. Second Corinthians chapter 5, reading from verse 1. He says, For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven. An eternal body made for us by God himself, not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on the heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. <laughs> Those are demons. <laughs> While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. But it is not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. You know, the, this, this, the heavenly body is, is made of life. It's full of life. Hallelujah. Yes, God himself has prepared us for this. And as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is the deposit. You know, I mean, you have put deposit for a house, deposit for a car, deposit for whatever. The Holy Spirit is God's deposit. Now, if the deposit is this amazing, think about the, the entire, the rest of what you are going to get. Hallelujah. Sister Noni, can you hear me? That's good. Fantastic. Yes. 
All right. So we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. For we live by believing, not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident. And we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please Him. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Because we understand that our fearful, we, we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord. We work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. We are, are we commending ourselves to you again? No. We are giving you a reason to be proud of us. So you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. Mm. Mm. That's getting close home. If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. Okay? Have they called you crazy before? Because of Jesus, it's not. It is to bring glory to God. All right. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. If you are in your right mind and you're doing everything, you know, uh, <laughs> according to what they expect, is to their benefit. But when you're beside yourself, it's to God's glory. It's not to people's benefit. So you choose. Who do you want to benefit, God or people? And then you decide from there. All right. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. Hallelujah. We have died to our old life. Come on. Turn to someone and say, I have died to my old life. Yes. yes. We have died to our old life. So we're talking about, we, were, we looked at, last week we looked at some motivations. Is that not so? What was the first one? What was the first motivation, compelling motivation to obey Christ, to obey God? What is it? Our inheritance, hallelujah, our inheritance in Him compels us. We have an inheritance, so we need to be obedient so that we can inherit. Okay, if you are not obedient, you will not inherit the inheritance, even though it's yours. You see, an, an inheritance is not something you work for. Okay, an inheritance is something that is, uh, that is given to you, is willed to you, but there are conditions. Somebody can, you know, somebody can write his will, his will and testament and say, this, this estate is going to be given to this person and this and this and this. And the person has a right to put conditions to it. Do you understand me? 
He has a right to put conditions to it. So if you meet those conditions, then you can inherit that estate. But if you don't meet the conditions, sorry, it's going for charity or whatever. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine that. Yeah. So you can't work for an inheritance. So obedience to God is not work. Actually, it's love. Hallelujah. Yeah, obedience is not work. It's love. It's an expression of love. Jesus says, if you love me, you will do what I say. If you love me. You can't say, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. And then he says, do this. You say, no. You don't love him. And if you don't love him, the inheritance is not for you. Remember what he says in 1 Corinthians 2, um, 9. He says, I has not seen, ear have not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who come to church. Is that what it says in your Bible? Huh? Are you sure? Look at it properly. Eye has not seen. Huh? For that, that is what the scripture means when it says, No eye have seen. Huh? No ear has heard. No mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who go to church. For those who shout hallelujah. Come on. For those who jump. Not even that. Sure. For those who pray. For those who shout the, the loudest. No. For those who are holy. For those who love him. So love is the condition. You see? Yeah. So the fact that it has been prepared for you. And it is yours. Legally it is yours. But the condition is love. Condition is love. You don't love him. You can kiss your inheritance goodbye. Amazing. So many people are like Esau who have sold their inheritance for temporary pot of food, bowl of food. When you eat, give it some few hours. You defecate, it's gone. It's out of your system. That was what Esau did <laughs> with his inheritance. Can you imagine? And today, people are doing the same thing. They're making fun of Esau when they read that scripture. But yet, the decisions they are making are telling you that they're in the same category with Esau. 
Mangaduste. Lord, help us. Help us not to mortgage our future. Help us not to mortgage our inheritance for something temporary. Something temporary. Some people can give away their inheritance for temporary, for temporary moments of pleasure. Temporary moments of, you know, being celebrated by people. <laughs> for the temporary praise of men, some people have given away their inheritance. For temporary popularity, some people have given away their inheritance. Yeah. If you can just do this, you are going to be the most popular person in town. If you can just do this, you'll be the most popular person in your profession. Just do this. And then you don't know. You can have popularity, but then the inheritance is gone. You choose. What do you want? For you to be trending, just do this. You will be trending and then your inheritance is gone. Is that what you want? <laughs> be smart. I know you're smarter than that. Hallelujah. Okay, so we talked about your inheritance. What's the second one? The judgment seat of Christ. Yeah, the, you need to remember that we will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. I'm telling you, you can't escape it. <laughs> All right? It's appointed to man to die once, and after that, the judgment. That's what the Bible says. So every single one of us, you're going to stand before that Jesus that you were ashamed of. Come on. Yeah. You're going to stand before that Jesus that you refuse to serve. <laughs> or you're going to stand before that Jesus that you serve grudgingly. You're going to stand before that Jesus. And to some, you're going to stand before that Jesus that you laid your life down for. What a privilege. The one you sacrificed for, you're going to stand before him. Amen? The one you went an extra mile for, you're going to stand before him. The one people ridiculed you for, you're going to stand before him. Think about that. <laughs> yeah. So let that motivate you to do something for him. All right? Yeah. It's a reality. Then the next one, what else? The fear of the Lord. That's right. The terror of the Lord. The Bible says, knowing the terror of the Lord. Oof. There is everyone. You know, it's better to fear God now than at that time. <laughs> You see, yeah. So if you fear him now and then you start adjusting and you start, you know, you start living your life right now, when you face him, you will have confidence. But if you don't fear him now, when that time comes, you will be scared. <laughs> when you stand before him, you say, okay, come, come, come. Angels, bring the books. The bookkeepers, Bring the books. <laughs> Let the records be brought. And then you'll be quaking. 
knowing the terror of the Lord. <laughs> hey. I would rather quake now. Hallelujah. I want to do that now. All right. So the terror of the Lord. Okay. So then there's another motivation. All right. Let's look at verse 14. Verse 14. Can we read it in the Amplified? Let's read verse 14 in the Amplified. It says, For the love of Christ controls and compels us. Because we have concluded this, that one died for all. Therefore, all died. For the love of Christ controls and compels us. All right. So this is the greatest motivator. Love. Do you know that? If you love somebody, right? If you love somebody, there is nothing too difficult for you to do for that person. Do you know that? Yeah. Yeah. You see, if my wife says to me, give me I need whatever amount, right? So far as I can afford it, it's not a problem. So far as I have it, it's not a problem. Yeah, if, if, if she needs a million rands and I have a million rands, I'm not going to think twice. Honestly, I won't think twice. Why? Because of love. So if I give her that, it is not a sacrifice to me. It's not a sacrifice. Okay? But if you're not my wife and you come to ask for... <laughs> you come to me and I say, uh, uh, Pastor, please, uh, I need... Even if it's... I need 10,000 rands. I said, why? Because, for what? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> why? So, what right do you have to ask me for that? Yeah. Just because you have a need. Who told you I don't have a need? Yeah. Yeah, you have a need. So what? I also have a need. So why should I give you? You see? But when there is a relationship... Okay, if you come to me on the basis of a relationship. Okay, you might not be my wife, but if I have a relationship, if there is a relationship, that gives you the capital to make certain requests. And then you get my audience. Imagine I'm walking the street and somebody just says, uh, by the way, please, I need a thousand rands there. How will you respond to that? I know Caroline will just give it. They <laughs> say, oh, well, you need it. Okay, just take it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> you see, but you see, the point is that when there is a relationship, when there is love, the hardest thing becomes easy. Now, if you find it hard to serve God, 
you don't love him enough. You want me to tell the truth? That's the truth. You don't love him enough. You find it hard. If you find it hard to, to serve God, if you find it hard to serve in God's house, you don't love him. You only love what he does to you. You only love what he can do for you. You don't love him. Because if you love him, the love of Christ will compel you to do certain things. You get my point? Yeah. When you love somebody, you can bend over backwards. You can do anything. You can give everything. And you, you, you've given everything. You'll still be looking for. You'll still be looking for what to do. Even though you don't have. You're looking for how to have so as to give. Is that not, am I not correct? Yeah. That's how, that's how your parents did to you. That's how, you know, some of you who are parents, you know what you do for your children. You know how much you sacrifice for your children. Why do you do that? Why do you do that? It's because of love. Love compels you to do this. And when you do it to you, it's a joy. When you do it, if you have to do something and you start complaining as you're doing it, stop it. Stop it. God is not interested in that sacrifice. Keep it. Don't give God that. It's not interested. Keep your, keep your gift. Keep your talent. Keep your money. Keep your ability. Keep your energy. Keep it all. He's not interested. If there is no love, keep it. You can use it for whatever you want to use it for. But not for God. The love of Christ should compel us to do things. You're not doing it out of law. You're doing it out of love. When you start doing things out of law, you've missed God. You've missed God. You must do it out of love. Yeah. If you pray out of law, you're missing God. You do it out of love. If you worship out of law, you're missing God. If you read your Bible out of law, you're missing God. Do it out of love. Everything must be powered by love. Let the love of Christ, the love of Christ. That's why I said last week, never beg anybody to serve God. If they don't love him enough to serve him, if they can't see how much he has loved them, if they can't see, if they don't appreciate the sacrifice he has made for them, if they can't appreciate what he has done for them till now, leave them. The day will come when they will need God in their lives. The day will come when they will need an intervention of God in their lives. <laughs> I remember years ago, I mean, uh, this man of God, you know, he, he moves, God uses him a lot in signs, wonders, you know, miracles. So he went to, he went to America to, to minister. And there was this guy, this guy who has been giving so much to the work of God. All right. This guy, a multimillionaire. He's like, he gives, he has given millions, millions to the work of God. So, 
When he landed, his, his friend who was hosting him, another pastor, said to him, Look, there's this pastor. I want to go and pray for him. This is this this man, this man, this is what he has done, this is what he has done, this is what he has done. He says, Really? Okay, let's go. He says, He has a memorial before God. So let's go. And you know, the moment they entered the house, they didn't even pray. They didn't even pray. As they entered the house, the man got healed. How do, how do you explain that? <laughs> so people want to receive that kind of uh, miracle from God, but they don't. They don't. They don't want to. They don't want to do anything for God. You remember the story of the centurion? We like to quote that, right? Oh, the centurion, great faith, and all of that. Go read it properly. He was a centurion. He was not, he was not a Hebrew. Okay? He was, not, he, he was not in covenant. He has no covenant right to healing. Remember, when Jesus sent his disciples out, send them <clears throat> to the lordship of the house of Israel. He was not part of Israel. He was a centurion. But what did they do? What did the rulers of the, of the Jews that came to Jesus say? They said, this man has built a synagogue for us. This man is deserving. Please come and do something for him. What do you think God is? And when they said that, Jesus didn't question the fact that he was, he was not a descendant of Abraham. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't question the fact, oh, this guy is a Gentile. No, 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 no. Jesus immediately said, let's go. Let's go. Because this man has built a synagogue for us. He has done this. He has done this. He has done that. Oh, my goodness. What are you saying? And he has demonstrated love for us. He has demonstrated love for God's people. This man has done this for God's people. It's, oh, okay, let's go. And the man now says, I'm not even worthy to have you under my roof. Just speak the word. Speak the word. The backdrop of that miracle is his love for God's people. <laughs> Can you see? I'll give you another example. The, the girl, Tabitha, who was raised from the dead by Peter. She, she died. And people were crying. They were saying to Peter, look, look, look at what she did for us. Look, look, look at, look at. She sold this apron for us. She's, she's always so good to the saint. She's always... Peter said, ah, where have you laid her? <laughs> yeah, this, we're entering into an era that God will start visiting people that love him. He's going to start doing things for people who have demonstrated love to his people and to his house. God will start visiting them with miracles, hallelujah, signs, wonders. Not everybody can claim every promise. You didn't know that? You can confess from now till Jesus comes. If you don't meet the conditions, you won't get it. You won't get it. And so Peter goes in and says, Tabitha, arise. And she gets up. Ah. Whew. 
I'm looking forward to unimaginable miracles happening through you. But understand, God is going to. Your love for Him is a major, um, is a major capital. <laughs> Hallelujah! In your dealings in the Spirit. And people keep complaining, ah, God has failed me, God has undone this. Who? You and God, who has failed who? You have the audacity to even say that. God has failed you. What? God has never failed anybody. And when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, he will show you everything. He will show you. Give you the record of all your failures. Where you accuse him, he will show you. Where you failed him that's why you didn't get into that thing he will show you <laughs> it's all there hallelujah amen i remember years ago reading reading uh, one of um papa hagen's books you know was he was pastoring um i can't remember if he was pastoring but he was going he was ministering and you know, it was at a time that he didn't have much, you know. There was very little. And God spoke to him to give somebody a particular amount. Now, that was a big sacrifice to him. It was a big sacrifice. God said he should give that pastor. You know, and so he has learned to obey God. So he just did it. And you know what happened? He was now somewhere, and God was moving in the miraculous. God was moving and healing people. And he was like, he was excited the way God was moving. And the Lord said to him, if you had not given that man, if you had not obeyed me, if you had not done what I asked you, if you had not given him, I would not have been using you like this. He said, what? How? Lord, I don't understand. How, how does that? I mean, but these people are these people are in need. These people are being helped. You mean you would not have helped them because of me? If I if I didn't do that, the Lord say yes. <laughs> the things are God. It's no God is not who you think He is. All right? He's not who you think he is. He's not like your grandfather. He's not like your, your favorite uncle. He's not. God is not like that. He's your heavenly father, but he, there's how he operates. There's how he operates. He has principles. There are laws and principles that govern how he works. So that's why it's good to know the word of God. The love of God. Let the love of God compel us. Let the love of God control us. Let the love of God control what you do, how you do it. The love of Christ. He says, the love of Christ. Hmm. Yes. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha. 
<laughs> oh, what happened? You moved. Huh? Tabitha, which was translated Dorcas. This woman was full of what? Look at good works and charitable deeds, which she did. Can you see that? She was full, not just a little bit, full. When something is full, that means nyaf nyaf. That's a parcella, eh? Yes. She was full, yeah? But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. And then they, when they had washed her, they laid her in the upper room. All right? And since Lydia was near Joppa, and the disciples heard that Peter was there, they went, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay, but to come to them. Right? Peter arose and went with them. And when he had come, they brought him to the upper room. And all the widows stood by. They stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and the garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. See what I'll say? Yeah. Then Peter put them out. He knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise and she opened her eyes and when she saw peter she sat up <laughs> hallelujah what a miracle then he gave her he gave her his hands and lifted her up and when he had called the saints and the widows he presented her alive powerful we're going to see things like that hallelujah Glory to God! Yeah. They're ready. There are principles that govern the operation of God's power. And sometimes we just want God's power, but we don't understand the principles. And so because we don't understand, we don't abide by it, and then we now blame God and we accuse God. Meanwhile, we are the ones failing. There's enough power in this house to heal every sick. Every sick person. There's more than enough. In this room. Hallelujah. So, the love of Christ should be your motivating force. It should be what will, the, 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 the motto that drives what you do for God should be love. And you should be ashamed if you don't love Jesus. <laughs> if you don't love Jesus enough to lay your life down for him. You know? Look at what it says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, let's read that. In 1 John 3, 16, it says, By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. 
Love should cause you to lay your life down for your brother, for your sister. Why? Jesus did it. If Jesus did it, why can't you do it? He says, the works that I do shall ye do. It's not only the miraculous. It's also <laughs> in things like this. All right? Lay our lives down. Let the love of God compel you. Let it be the driving force. People say, but why are you doing all of this? For, why, are you putting, why are you so committed? Why do you? Tell them, <clears throat> leave me alone. You didn't die for me. <clears throat> the one that died for me is the one that is working in me. And he deserves more than I'm giving him. Yeah, because if you understand the depth of Jesus' love for you, you would realize that your sacrifice is very little. Very little. <laughs> yeah, your sacrifice is very little compared to his sacrifice for you. All right? So when you do a little bit, stop looking around for someone to tap your shoulders, to tap your back and to say, oh, well done. No. Let the love of God continue to propel you. Let it be your propelling force. Let it be the engine in your work with God. Let it be what powers your obedience. Let it be what powers your sacrifice. Let it be what powers your giving. Let it be what powers your, your service. Love. The moment the love starts dying, the simplest things become difficult. Yeah. Check it, even in relationships. When, they, when, when, when you start finding it hard to do the basic things that you used to do before. You remember when you were first in love? Remember how you used to you know, I used to go the extra mile. Those of you, you know what I'm talking about. People will accuse you. People will say all kinds of things. You just don't listen to them. You, you, you keep going. What was driving you? Huh? What was driving you? And when, even when things are hard, you're still going, you're still doing, putting every effort to make it work. What was driving you? Love. And then now, can I have a cup of tea? It's a problem. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, please can I have a cup? Huh? <laughs> yeah, what happened to your hands? Yeah. That should tell you something has happened to that love. Yeah, something has happened. Just check it out. You can't go wrong with love. You can't go wrong. If you use that, you can, you can measure so many things. Use love. So that's why sometimes we need to revive our love. Okay? Remember the church in Ephesus? One of the things Jesus says, I have against you. He says, you have left your first love. You have left your first love. He says, repent. So when love has died or is in a coma, <laughs> your love is in ICU. 
We need, we need shock treatment. Huh? Uh, doctor. <laughs> yeah, we need, to, we, need, we need shock treatment to bring that love back alive. Hallelujah. Yeah, that love that you could, you could, you could, you could, you could stay all night with Jesus. You could go all the way for Jesus. But now, to get an hour from you, it will take a miracle. It will take a miracle. And yet, you can watch soapies all weekend, long weekend. You series. You, you, you spend the whole weekend watching series. Why? It's you, what you love. Your love for series is less than your love for Jesus. So, to give Jesus that time is a problem. But to give it to Ceres is not a problem. Where is your love? Where is your love? Let's repent. Repent. Father, help us. Revive our love. Awaken our love once again. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Lord, you laid your life down for us. I pray, oh God, that you would help us. Whatever has diminished our love for you. Whatever has made our love to grow cold for you. Forgive us, oh God. We repent. We repent. Have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us. Forgive us. Lord, I pray. If you are here, you want God to do a work in you. Maybe your love is there, but it's not as, you know, as hot as it used to be. And you want God to do a work in your heart. Just raise your hand. I'll pray for you. All right. God bless you. God bless you. Father, I pray for this once. <clears throat> I pray for a revival in their hearts. Let there be a stirring in their hearts. Stir up, stir up, stir up their hearts, oh God. Let your love be ignited, oh Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I ask for a move of your spirit in their heart. Awaken your love. The Bible says in Romans 5, 5, that you have poured your love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask. The love is there. It's there. But Lord, let it be stirred up. Let it be stirred up right now. Let it be stirred up for them, oh God. In the name of Jesus. Let the passion come back. Let the zeal come back. Let the fire come back. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. I give you praise. And I give you glory. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. This ministry has come to you live from Every Nation Midrand. For other life-changing messages and more information, log on to www.everynationmidrand.org.